All right, we're back. Cap and trade. Week two, heading into week two of the regular season. Coming up against Denver Broncos. I'm joined by Mr. Landry Locker of the Locker Room on YouTube and Sports Radio 610. Landry, how you doing, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. The season's upon us. Texans didn't lose. You got a better result uh, than you've gotten 25 times the last two uh, two years. So I'm doing great, and I feel better about the head coach because of the decision he made. So any of you folks out there got a problem with that, I got two words for you. Just kidding. But, yeah, I, I like I liked Lovey's decision, so I'm doing good. I feel good about the coach. See, I'm on the complete opposite end of my- opposite end of the spectrum i did not like the decision i view it as they didn't win instead of saying they didn't lose so i i i i just completely disagree with it i completely disagree with it on the fact that he's been preaching about they're going to build a winning culture and that he's been asking all the fans to come back to the game come back to the stadium cheer the team on you know do everything get the fans involved writing letters to the city and then you punt. I, I just I don't well, get it. And I understand that they had two two. They were planning on going two downs when they had third and one. Then they went to the heavy package with the biggest running back in the league, Rhett Burke, had to try to get a couple <laughs> of yards and end up losing two. But I mean, it, I don't know. It, I don't know if it was that point where you bring in the RPO specialist and uh, hashtag RPO specialist Jeff Driscoll for that third down or. Drum up, draw up some kind of other play because I don't know. It just, but the fact that they, he said that they were going to go, they knew they, third and one, they were going to go two downs. You lose two yards and then you just decide, okay, we're not going two downs anymore. We're going to punt this and go for the tie. I just, I don't get it. I don't like it. I understand your point of view on it. I've heard it on the radio and I, and I understand it. I just don't agree with it and I don't like it. My thing is they lost because they blew a 17-point lead. They lost because uh, they couldn't communicate uh, as an offensive line. And I was more disappointed in Pep than I was him. I thought Pep called a pretty good game. Uh, but to to have two timeouts and on a second and one throw the ball and then not have a play ready, and then during a timeout to really huddle around and look your team in the eye and say with a straight face – you know, we really need to go heavy and get uh, Charlie Heck in here, uh, tackle eligible, and run behind Justin Britt with Rex Burkhead. I was kind of disappointed in Pep there. Uh, I said I said in the press box, punt it. As a matter of fact, I said take a knee after the field goal, honestly. I was so over that crap. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I think actually going for the tie is almost like playing to win because the, the one thing I can't hear, and I like what you – I mean, I like everything you said. The one thing I can't vibe with that I've heard way too much is, well, they got nothing to lose. They're going to suck anyway. Even McLean said it. I mean, you can't have that mindset. No, I don't coach. subscribe to that mindset. So if, if you do play for a tie, uh, you look at it this way. And, and I, I, I asked this on the air and I was surprised. Like, 0 and 17 is better than, 0 and 17 is better than 8 and 9. So that kind of gives you the value of a tie. Like if you if you're 00 and 17 in the standings, you're above eight and nine. Uh, so that that I, I know that ties aren't very rewarding, but that just kind of puts in perspective. You would have been a game out of a playoff uh, in the NFC last year with 00 and 17. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but <laughs> obviously. But I think it's I think it's just kind of one of those things where Pittsburgh got in last year because of a tie, and I think Lovey 
is thinking long term. And that's why he said we'll revisit it. But this notion, I, I can I can vibe with everything. I think it's ridiculous to compare it to the Hackett decision. I think that's absolutely insane. Oh, that's con- two completely different. No. And then the Dable, the Dable too, I think is way different. It was it was a situation in its own. You could compare it to 2018 Indianapolis, but I I just like this notion that oh you're not going to be good. I mean you you held the Colts to 232 yards and three points in three quarters, and uh, you know you had a 17 point lead. So you know this notion we're not going to be good anyways. I don't necessarily I don't subscribe to that. I think that's crazy. That's that's the only thing that I just can't even I don't even have time for. No, and I, I agree with you on that. I think. And I agree with you on, on the play calling with Pep Hamilton. If the the running back usage, I don't know if that's on Pep or if that's on the running back coach with uh, Berkman Burkhead being in there as, as much as he was. So there was kind of just some faults up and down the up and down the staff, in my opinion. Except for Frank Ross, he was a he was a badass this weekend. But but he's other, the badass every he, week. Yeah, sure. he's he's great. Um, but yeah, I mean it. The play calling. You're, you're spot on with that, and that kind of leads into my one of my other points is the tale of two Davis Mills. You know, we saw three quarters of just fantastic football on both sides of the ball, really, in all three phases, if we want to get into it. But just looking at it from the offensive side of the ball and talking about the play calling, they they had a plan. They stuck with it for three quarters, a lot of play action. You know, they put Mills in good spots. Good quick throws. He missed a few reads, missed a few open wide receivers, kind of forced a few throws, but also made some good plays. So what I don't get is what flipped the switch for them to go from that, what was working for them for three quarters after the strip sack and then just kind of almost wet the bed and just completely abandoned the game plan and tried to force their way back through it, and it just backfired big time. So, I mean, it, you know, you saw the tweet I posted – all the all the basic metrics out there, you know, success rate, CPOE, EPA per play, they were all top. I think after Geno Smith played, I think Davis Mills, if you were looking at his three quarters of play, was a top eight quarterback using those metrics. Using the fourth quarter in overtime, he was the thirty first best quarterback or the sec, first worst, second worst quarterback. So you see how things just went completely sideways. Indianapolis just kept them giving them gift after gift after gift. You know, it's Man. two kickoffs that go out of bounds that those were odd bounces, but there was no reason for that. Two football. drop touchdowns. Two, two drop, drop touchdowns, a misfield goal. Uh, Hines running the Wildcat with Hines and not even letting Taylor touch the ball when you go for it on fourth. Yeah, that was early, but I'm you know, I'm just saying more late in the game. They just kept getting gifts and giving more chances and just could not capitalize on anything and it's not it's not. It's the seven point, seventeen point, given that part up, but not just being able to capitalize on any of those opportunities they had, and the, probably the last quarter through overtime to to get some kind of points to to get up there, and then the the punt from what was it, the thirty nine on Indy side in the fourth quarter. That was the other one that uh, I had I think to make. It was, I think it was the it, it, it was originally going to be the 36, and they, they backed it up to the 41. That's after they took the delay game, yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, that, too, I mean, there you, you've got a, a kicker. What is Fairbairn's range? That's, like, I don't, well, like, obviously, it's in the – I, I feel relatively He hit a 61 last year, so obviously his range was well within if they were at the 36-yard line, which would be a, what, a 52-yarder? So I do not understand not taking the points there. 
Yeah, and, and as far as the Mills thing, I, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, I, I mean, look, it, I, I heard people say, you know, punt, and, and that's how, like, the exercise I do with my teammates, my 16 teammates, uh, specifically like Sean and Seth, is we say what we would do before, and that's kind of how we roll because we're not like – it's not like chicken crap get on the radio and say after you know afterwards what would have happened, you know. And Seth Seth wasn't down with the field goal. So that was his thing. I, I don't really I, – I, I can't figure out uh, their confidence level in Fairbairn. Uh, I know he mentioned the New England game last year. Well, first of all, Fairbairn was hurt last year, and he wasn't like he wasn't really himself. I mean, it was a it was a relatively down year for him. So I don't get that. But as far as the Mills thing, I think it is interesting, like because the 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 the, court, the stats that you said, like as good as they were in the in the first three quarters, like they could have been even better. And and Pep Hamilton actually called to his credit. He actually called a better game than what what the scoreboard showed and what the stats showed because uh, the third down call to Conley on the second drive it was it was low it was a little bit low and maybe some people would say Conley should have caught it uh, but it was definitely a low pass but he had a lot of field Ooh, in front he of had him. a lot I don't of know open field would have got I mean yeah. he, he probably had about 15 20 yards who knows yeah uh, although he's not, he's not like the best with the catch and the flea flicker the flea flicker should have been a touchdown but mills just kind of underthrew it to where it looked like it was a punt but on the other side you can look at this and this goes back to uh what you were talking about uh how bad he was in the fourth quarter his first three quarters could have been even better but his fourth quarter could have been even worse and the narrative would be completely different if gilmore would have been able to intercept that pass that was behind cooks for whatever reason so he was good in the third quarter but he could have been better and he was god awful in the fourth quarter in overtime, but he could have been even worse. So that that just adds to your point too. Yeah, and that it's I, I view it as you know you see what he's capable of, both good and bad. You see how often a, a, each end of the spectrum he can reach. So I guess that can be good and bad. But you know, obviously we see what the team is capable of coming out of the shoot. Hopefully they can sustain it for four quarters. You know, going forward, you know, it's we heard Lovey talking about it today. They want to get Damian Pierce more involved. I think between whose call is that? Do you think? Do you think that's a pep thing? A I, I assume it's oh, just the t- saying he needs to get more touches. I assume it's pep. Probably so. I mean, it's probably going to be a joint discussion. I wonder whose decision it is during the game. If that's the the running back coach. Or who who's making that call of why Burkhead is getting forty percent of the forty percent more touches? But yeah, I mean we've heard Lovey say they, they want they want to get Pierce more involved. So whether that's a, a Casario nudge or just a joint discussion, joint decision, it, I don't know why he why he didn't get the ball more option. He was close to breaking off a few plays. I mean, obviously you can see the difference between playing preseason ball, going against twos and threes versus you know, going against the number ones on, on an NFL team, and he was just close. He would get trip, shoestring tackle, block, just not quite there. You know, we saw McCray not get to the second level and just barely missed a linebacker block with a lot of open field. And so he was very close to having some plays. It's just not quite there, and I don't know if that had something to do with it or what, but it leaves him at a point. Go ahead. I, w- I was shocked, uh, my bad not to cut you off, but but just to add to that, I was shocked because I was looking at him on the sidelines and I was thinking, okay, 
I've compared Damian Pierce to Marion Barber from the Cowboy days because they're the same height and weight. They both run violently, and, and I don't think either one of them are like if, – if you gave them like 25 carries, they get worse. Like when the Cowboys tried to make him a workhorse, he got worse. But what he was really good at, and they had the best record in the league one year when he was doing it, is he would finish the game. So I figured that they were keeping Damian Pierce on the sidelines, and when you're up 14 points you know, and you need a couple of first downs just to win the game, you're going to be giving Damian Pierce the ball. And it's one thing, like, I look, those coaches, a lot of times, like, Rex Burkhead obviously has some good qualities and he belongs on a squad. And, you know, when you're going to be passing, uh, maybe he's better equipped uh, to be out there. Although I thought Pierce, at least in preseason, at least in training camp, looked like he was capable of uh, pass blocking. But when it's an obvious rundown, I don't think it should even be a question about who's in there, especially when you're going to go heavy with Charlie Heck. It really shouldn't be a question but the other thing, and maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later, I don't know if Earl Campbell could run behind Justin Britt on some of the plays when he's blocking, uh, especially if you go back and look at that third down. And that might be just another issue on it. So, uh, he, by the way, wasn't at practice today, Lovey said, because uh, he's got some personal stuff going on, but he did say he expects him to play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's that much of a drop-off between Britt and Questenberry. They're both replacement level type. I think Questenberry's better. Unless there's some sort of communication thing we don't know, I think Questenberry's better. Yeah, I I don't better, I don't know. I just don't think he's probably any worse. And he's at a fraction of the cost, but you know, it is what it is. I think from an offensive line standpoint, just thinking on that whole point, you've got to have Kenyon Green playing more. I mean, that the two series rotation thing between him and McCray, I mean, there was there was a out. lot of there, yeah there was a lot of talk and I, I get it there you know Kenny Green was still a little overweight still coming back from the injury still getting his bearings and I get that and you want to bring him on slowly he's a rookie we got to consider that got a long future ahead of him don't need to blow it all out right out the beginning but he's I mean he was obviously better in both both pass blocking and and obviously it's going to be much better in run blocking but. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, you know, we hear Seth saying he's got a lot of work to do in the pass blocking. Well, McCray is not any better in pass blocking. They're both, between McCray and Britt, it is very, very bad. And Buckner and Grover and Grove Stewart just had his way in the second half with them too. So at this point, you've got to go ahead and just make the move to Kenny Green full time and, and start getting the running game going and get it back going because we just saw a repeat of 2021 this week with the, whatever it was, 2.8 yards per carry, some nonsense like that. That's what it was, 2.8. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's my two pieces on the offensive side is Pierce getting more touches and Kenyon Green's got to start. And if you want to add on to that, Nico Collins, who just had a pretty strong training camp, just kind of disappeared yesterday, or yesterday, Sunday. Three targets, three targets, two catches. Uh I don't know if it's, you know, he's not getting open. I don't know if Mills is just keying in on Cooks, but they got to figure that out. They, they also need to get the tight ends more involved. Uh, they they, they got to get these – of all the things that they can do realistically on offense, they've got to get these tight ends involved because they all have potential to make plays in the past game. It just seems like the opportunities they get are, are way too few and far between. Yeah, and I think O.J. Howard is going to get more chances. I think he only had 17 snaps, which is a function of being with the team for you know, a week. So I think as he gets more entrenched in the playbook, gets more confident, 
of the knowledge and Mills gets a better rapport with him, then his snap count will go up. I think he'll eventually, you know, compete with, with Farrell Brown for those inline tackle, I mean, inline tight end snaps. So at that point, it's, you know, by, by the midway of the season, it's going to be a straight up competition between them two and maybe a good rotation between them two. But, you know, OJ Howard proved to be a good red zone target, had very simple seam routes, just go find the open zone and run the seam uh, Colts, for some reason, just decided not to cover him on those two plays. I'm not sure if they had a little communication gap on their side, but nobody picked him up on both ends. But he he's one player that probably will get more involved, like you're saying, as the season progresses. You know, and I don't know what's up with Collins. I mean, I haven't really seen too many film clips or anything posted up to figure out what was going on with it. If he just was getting covered, I don't know if, if Gilmore – was staying on his side of the field because I don't think he was really shadowing Cooks or anything. I think it just maybe Gilmore was on Collins more than Cooks. I didn't really go back and look at the hard numbers on coverage stats, but at the end of the day, they really need need Nico Collins to get more involved. He's a bigger wide receiver. This week, going against Denver, I think with Justin Simmons going on IR, they can really really hopefully depend on Cooks's speed to try to take advantage against that secondary. They have a very good secondary with Ronald Darby and uh, Patrick Sertan. Sertan. Yeah, both very, very good cornerbacks. But something's going to have to happen, and whether it's the tight ends, Nico Collins, something. You know, this 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 defense as a whole that they're going against has got two very good pass rushers on the edge with, a, well, three of them, a good rotation between Randy Gregory Bradley Chubb and uh, Browning, so they're going to have a a handful of that. Tunsil and how we're going to be have their challenge this week. So I mean, they just need to get everyone else involved as much as possible, not just depend on locking in on Cooks because, like we like I said in the beginning, there was a lot of forced throws to Cooks that he wasn't he wasn't open. He had other options, whether it was a check down, he missed a couple crossing routes with Moore. He missed one tight end on a crossing route, so I don't know why he's keying in that way. Maybe it's just gonna. We'll just have to give Mills a little bit of time to get going. Not really sure, but I mean that's that's kind of my take on the on the offensive side. As for the defensive side, my biggest concern is, and I think Lovey kind of mentioned it, is the hundred percent snaps for the back end of the defense. The Petrie, Owens, Stingley, Nelson. Kirksey and Kamu did not come off the field for any, did not come off the field at all. They were all 100% snap players. And then from there, it was just Desmond King coming in on nickel and then Kevin Pierre-Lewis going back out on base. And, of course, they had a pretty heavy D-line rotation. But I, do you have any concerns about that kind, about the longevity of the season, having that, that many players with 100% snaps? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of concerns about uh, – the, the the duration of the season I, I think the biggest issue though that you didn't touch on and, and and i mean you lay it out better than anyone else that's why i liked uh doing this with you and talking to you but i think something that's going to be a problem uh maybe as early as sunday although i don't know how healthy he is i talked to him in the locker room and i asked him how he was feeling physically and i mean he kind of just looked at me and and, and like was like oh kamu gruje hill look god bless him he gives you everything that he has. He's a great leader. He's a good guy to have on your football team. But any coach with a pulse 
at any level from peewee all the way to to nfl is gonna is gonna sniff him out in coverage if you don't you shouldn't be coaching football and i'm very concerned uh you know hopefully they can get wallow and christian harris in the mix sooner rather than later because they're gonna sniff him out and if you look at the colts you look at the the drive where they set up the field goal uh, there was a play where they put Hines in the slot. Kamu came out there. He, it looked like he was like adjusting his equipment. I, I think he was just hurt. His shoulder looked hurt. Some, something's, something's not right with him. And Matt Ryan didn't look anywhere else. It, it was literally like backyard, one-on-one football. I'm looking right at him. And then later on in that drive, I think Mo Ali Cox, who, by the way, I thought would be a little bit more of a factor on uh, Sunday than he was, but they went yeah, right to Mo Ali Cox. Yeah, but uh, I I think Kamu uh, in coverage is very very concerning, uh, and that's something that I think we need to keep a little bit of an eye on. Um, and I think Justin Britt long term not not just performance but health. Uh, he's kind of had trouble being healthy. Uh, I think those are two concerns, and I, and I'm really not sure about. Uh, Titus Howard either there, there's a lack of consistency there and I was talking to someone um, and they brought up that his guy whoever he's blocking and this isn't always like his fault he, he gets he gets the tackle a lot like the guy that he's blocking like in the run against the run like gets oh, the tackle he's, shedding, he's shedding the block off of Howard to get to the stop yeah yeah so those, those would be my concerns but but I'm telling you man if Kamu's out there teams are going to pick on him like at an uncomfortable level yeah and that's why you need harrison wallow to get back yeah 14 14 targets if i think i remember correctly against uh with kamu and coverage which is just a massive number for a linebacker and yeah harris yeah harris is going to miss at least four games i haven't heard any news on his hamstring if he's going to be even ready to go after that um i mean tavier thomas i think he may be returning to practice here soon if he hasn't already um, saw some, saw he changed Jersey numbers. So that made me wonder if he was yeah. out at practice to this week or not, but I think he's no, now number two, but yeah, he's number two. He went from 37 to two. Yeah. So that'd be a nice, nice return as well to get a little more rotation on the, on the defensive back end. But yeah, I mean, the linebacker crew really needs some help. The, the depth is depth issues there. I mean, you're having Kevin Pierre Lewis and those guys play, those guys play really hard. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah, like I'm not like Kirksey and, and Kamu are giving you everything they have. It's just, I mean, there's, there's limitations and it's, it's really, really, really bad when Kamu's in coverage, like really bad. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I, I wonder how they're going to manage it this week. If they're going to have, you know, like Kirksey more of like a, a spy role trying to hold contain with, with Wilson and his mobility, I don't think he's as much of a, a runner in a design fashion as he was three or four or five years ago, but he's still a very mobile quarterback. And, uh, you know, that's something that the team will have to consider. But, I mean, the Denver's offense, I mean, they've they've got two very good wide receivers, had three, but one of them went down for injury. But, you know, Judy and, and Cortland, Sutton, Cort- Cortland Sutton, both very good wide receivers, two very good running backs in Javante Williams and and Melvin Gordon. So the run defense really needs to step up. That was kind of an issue. I understand Jonathan Taylor is a very good, very good running back, and, and the Colts have a very good run-blocking offensive line. I don't think you're going to see 
see quite the same performance out of Denver's offensive line from a run blocking standpoint, but run defense was an issue last week. And that's, that's one of my concerns this week is run defense going forward. You know, Malik Collins showed up on the, uh, on the uh, practice report, injury report, he was his snaps were down in the second half of the game against the Colts. It seemed like uh, Damone Harris and Kurt Heinish were out there rotating a three-man rotation with Lopez instead of the four-man rotation with Malik Collins. So kind of keeping an eye on Collins to see if he's going to be healthy or not. But the, the run defense is going to be something that I'm really, really kind of concerned about coming up on Denver, the way the, the way the things have started out, because you saw, you saw Ogba just get lost in run defense. Kind of reminded me of Jacob Martin, very good pass rusher, speed guy, but his size. Oh, he, he, he got just, turned around like a damn. Yeah. He just got with lost. And so we saw Rasheem green return to practice this week. He's a much bigger defensive end. So hopefully he'll be ready to go and get into that four man rotation with Hughes and uh, J- Jonathan Grenard, but you know, there's a that's my that's my concerns. Are there any specific yeah. concerns on the offensive side or the defensive side beyond what you already discussed facing the offense of Denver? I mean, I think you covered on all the concerns. The thing I do feel good about though is the corners. Uh, I think the corners are very very good. Steven Nelson played really really good. Uh, I actually talked to him in the locker room too. He described his performance as great. Uh, I thought Stingley was good. Um, I, I do wonder, like, I don't think the safeties were that challenged against the Colts for the most part. Like there weren't too many deep shots. Uh, so I, I do, I am interested to see what that looks like, uh, when the safeties have to come over and make plays a little bit more. Uh, I know Petrie had a lot of tackles and, uh, Owens was there, but I, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like, uh, because I think I think there's probably going to be a little bit more from with Judy and Sutton, but the one thing I do feel good about I feel good about these cornerbacks. I think they did a really good job of addressing the the cornerback position. I think both of those guys uh, looked really good on uh, on Sunday given the circumstances. Although I will say this, Indianapolis, uh, we had we came into this season talking about how poor their wide receiver depth was after Pittman. Man, those guys played bad on Sunday. A couple of drop touchdowns. Pierce looked just absolutely terrified. Uh, Doolin made a few catches in the second half, but yeah, I mean they they really let let a few opportunities get past them. And you know, speaking on the cornerbacks, you know, the only thing I had one minor concern, and I don't know if this was just by design, but it really seemed like Stingley was playing off coverage pretty heavily. I mean, he was. Uh, it was weird. Yes, you know, five, six, seven yards off. Nowhere, rarely was he up in wide receiver's face. On well, at times it didn't even see. It seemed like he was just forcing him inside. Like it, there yeah. was a, there was a couple of times where it wasn't like a Jonathan Joseph off where he's off, but he looks like he's guarding him. Like I don't know if it was by design, but there was it was there was almost times where like his back was to the sidelines, and it's like he was like forcing the guy inside, but the rest of the defense was acting as if they were in man coverage. So it was really confusing. Yeah, that's pretty much what I saw on it. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if, it, like you said, it's by design or if they're just trying to continue uh, Steenley's progress coming back. You know, he's obviously 100%, but it just didn't seem like 
the type of coverage that we were expecting, but maybe it's just for that specific opponent and we'll see it a little bit differently. But Sutton and Judy are both very big, very big wide receivers and uh, both of them have some speed. So it'd be a good challenge for the bat, for the defensive side of the ball. Um, just want to touch on uh, requests. I know we got one request in right now. Taylor, I know you had a request in. It looked like you dropped out. Uh, we'll get to those here shortly. If you don't want to speak, there's a uh, little chat icon at the bottom right of the screen, a little chat bubble. You can uh, type in a question there. It'll basically attach a tweet to the thread, to the spaces that we can uh, answer that as well if, you, if you'd rather send your question in that way versus speaking but uh rip will get to your request here shortly um let's see here what else did i have on here yeah when we had justin Britt missing practice we already talked about that sorry just going through my bullet points that i had here what was the line so the line on the denver game is that 10 points right 10. now? It was, was 10 and a half. Now it's a 10. I mean, yeah, let, 10. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty, it'd be pretty easy for, for Houston to cover the, the Indianapolis line at seven. 10 just seems like a, I feel like all the money's got to be coming in on Houston. And I just, I don't know if they, yeah, Vegas well, almost, is still not buying in much, or what. Yeah. Almost too much at a scary level. Uh, but I mean, you do got to look at Denver though, and they did fumble twice on the one yard line, or like on the goal line, or they turned the ball over, I should say. And I mean, it's not like that's like some sort of design. I, I mean, I we haven't seen this team on the road, uh, but if I were betting, man, I guess I would take the ten, but I would I would feel very very nervous about doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty. Uh... It just—it's a big number. It, I was really shocked when it came out to that high, right off the bat. And I get now going on the road is one thing, but going on the road to elevation in Denver is a whole different thing. So it'll be interesting to see how how the players manage that. That's what makes me wonder when they started talking about the snap counts, especially with the cornerbacks and and the defensive backs how they're going to try to manage that. Maybe they do a little more rotation on, on the defensive side as a group, as a whole, at various positions, especially when they're going up to elevation like that. It's going to be something that they watch. So uh, let's see here. Did get one question in. So we've got two questions on the Twitter thread. So like I said, if you want to submit a question, you can uh, do that through the chat. Rip, we're going to give you speaking rights. So you can ask your question. Just, uh, just a reminder, we try to keep it fairly clean in here. This is uh, recorded and redistributed on the podcast. So we'll, uh, and on top of that, let's just try to get to the question and uh, we'll go, go through it as quickly as I can, but we'll, we'll cover the bases on everything. So 04 Rip Hamilton. Go ahead and take yourself off mute, sir. Hello. At Jag Jeep 04 Rip Hamilton. Unmute yourself, sir. Three, two. All right. Well, we'll send you off. And if you want to 
come back as a speaker, Mr. Rip Hamilton. Send him another request and we'll get you back in here. Jump over to the thread. So Texas, Texan, Texan Zen, what is your confidence levels of Davis Mills becoming a long-term option? Has it changed at all after this first game? For me, it has not changed at all because I'm still in the evaluation mode. We saw both ends of the spectrum. We saw the very good Davis Mills and the very bad Davis Mills. Unfortunately, you saw the very bad Davis Mills at the very critical part of the game, but we also saw what he is capable of, and that's what we were talking about earlier. And I, I think it is way too early to make any kind of declarations, decisions, or anything like that. This is just one game of what hopefully will be a very large sample size to make a proper evaluation for the future of this team with the quarterback. And I mean, at the end of the day, if the team decides to move on to another quarterback – via draft or whatever options may be in the off season, you know, Davis Mills will still be a very, very good backup option. So you got to, I think that's also something to be worth discussing and, and noting. But for me, no, nothing's really changed at this point in time. Landry. No, you saw really good and you saw, you know, really bad. So I don't feel you know any worse. I want to see how he responds uh, in Denver on the road. Uh, I, I want to see, like, as as bad as the bad was, if he can avoid the the real, real bad that he had last year, specifically in Buffalo and, and a couple of other games, uh, then I, I think that's progress. But, nah, as far as, like, you know, how I felt about Davis Mills before and how I feel about him uh, at this point, I, I don't feel any worse about him. Don't feel any worse. All right. I mean, I feel fine about. It. I mean, I think I think he's, I think he can be in the league for ten years, like or, or plus or whatever. Yeah, like he's got. He can very easily be the you know Chase Daniel, just a a, a very strong journeyman yeah. type. You know, maybe he bounces around a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he ends up just progressing well and becoming the the long term option for Houston. That's not the realm of possibility. The percentages that happen are a little bit low, but. You just got to give him a fair shot. And, yeah, it's one game. We saw a few games last year, but this has been his team this offseason. He's been the clear leader. He's voted as captain. So I think all of those things are just factors going into knowing that the team has full intentions of getting the full 17-game sample out of Davis Mills and nothing less. I mean, it would have to, barring an injury, it would have to be something wild for them to not play him. So I think Landry's point is perfect. You gotta you gotta see how he reacts to that type of loss, win, tie, whatever we want to call it this time. But that's how he reacts, how he rebounds, how he goes into a road game and manages expectations, manages the offense, and just continue on that evaluation. You know, this is gonna be your another part of the sample size week by week, take a look at it, see how he's progressing, if he is progressing, and then you can make your decision towards the end of the year. All right, Matthew Carlin, is there an expected date we expect to see Christian Harris? I haven't really heard anything other than the fact that he is on injured reserve, so he will have to miss at least four games. If he'll be ready to go, ready to return to practice at that time frame that I have not heard much of anything. Landry, have you heard anything? Nah, it's going to be at least four and then we'll see what happens. Uh, 
five, uh, but uh, it doesn't seem to be something serious. And I mean, the fact that Lovey Smith feels comfortable enough to say, uh, you know, this guy's going to help us win ball games, uh, tells me that. I mean, I would I would say he's probably back, uh, not not too far from now. He'll probably miss a few more games, and then uh, he'll be a big part of what they do. Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, they they want to make sure he gets right because not only do they want him for the rest of the season, but they want him to be a, a very good player for many years to come. And rushing him back now for an extra game on a long-term future is something that you know they may take into consideration and just bring him back slow. So maybe we'll start to get some more reports in week three, week four coming up after the uh, Denver game to get a little better idea of when Christian Harris may return back to the active roster. All right. Another question. Birdie. Did AJ can play well? Landry. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't like, he wasn't great. It's kind of one of those, it's kind of one of those things where you, you didn't really hear his name called out. You didn't really hear good or bad. It was just kind of like, oh, I mean, it's better. It's better. Kind of forgot about AJ Can out there, and I mean, it's better than the guy to his left. <laughs> I still, I still don't know who who was to blame on that strip sack. I I don't know if it was. I think it was Tunsil. I think it's pretty clear it was Tunsil. Right. I, I think at the end of the day, it was Tunsil. But I, I wonder what led up to that miscommunication. Was it? Britain you know what led up to Britain. it? Not being an involuntary practice. That's what led up to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just, but I'm just, I'm yeah, just you, I'm hey, we we talk about that stuff, but I mean, like, you, may, it makes me, it makes me wonder with Brit not playing any preseason games, you know, and he's the one that's supposed to be calling out. It, he said it this week. He said, "This is you know, I'm I'm in charge of all the communications on the offensive line. That's no longer on on Davis Mills. He's calling out the mic. He's looking. He's calling out shifts. He's calling out the, for the blitzes. Who's got the extra man? So, a that was a very well executed blitz. I will say that on the strip sack, you know. But at the end of the day, there somebody still missed missed their assignment. Whether it was Tunsil or whether if that's one of the blitzers that Mills would have been responsible for." It's hard to say, but it was definitely on him. It, is, it was on somebody, whether it was Tunsil or the offensive line as a whole. AJ well, can. Of course it was on somebody. Yeah. They, well, you know, PFF ended up you know signing what? it to Tunsil, so we'll just leave it at that. You but, know what bothers me? Well, I'll take that with a grain of salt, too. Yeah. But you know what You know what bothers me with uh, about Britt not playing in preseason? Like, Cook's not playing in preseason as much is is because he's a baller and you know what you're going to get from him. Uh, like there, there's a lot of guys that like they're just not playing because they can ball. I feel like Justin Britt, they just don't want him to get hurt or he's not healthy enough to play in preseason. Yeah, it was. It's obvious. Yeah, it's definitely a load management thing. Yeah, but but I mean, like he he needs it. Like he of all the people, like he needs it. Yes, he does, especially with the change in but responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, the change of responsibilities you he, needs to. You notice how to... he touches his foot? You notice how he touches his foot like every play? No. <laughs> watch, all right, watch. I'm going to have to watch Thursday. that now. All y'all, all y'all watch, like on Sundays, like watch Justin Britt 
this Sunday, and I promise you, like, if you just count how many times, if he's playing, how many times he reaches down and grabs his foot, like, almost like it looks like maybe it's, like, hurt or something, it will be at least, like, eight times. Seriously, watch. You're, you're, you're going to notice this every time now. Okay. It's going to bug foot. me when I see it. But, but Stoots is the one who told me, and I was like, what are you St- talking about? Stoots, and then I watched he, he, it. And then I was watching it. I was watching it on Sunday, and I was like, dude, I hate you. He he finds the most wildest things that during his observations. It is amazing to me some of the things that he catches like that. But AJ can he he was slightly above what I would say replacement level. He's a capable guard, but I wouldn't expect you know, earth-shattering performances out of him, but I don't think he's going to make any any just egregious mistakes. I think he's just going to be a capable right guard, and that's what they brought him in. That's what his market value kind of priced him at. And so I think at the end of the day, it's probably what you'll get and not nothing more, nothing less. I agree. All right. Sam Miles, what kind of role do you all see Tyler Johnson having? See who? Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver from Tampa that they claimed. I don't know. I know he's open to special teams. So, I mean, maybe maybe that'll uh, help him out a little bit. I don't I don't really – I mean, what is he going to be like the random Chris Moore of last year where maybe you see – you don't see him much and then you'll see like a random deep shot from him? I, I don't know how he fits into this whole thing. Yeah, he's 6'1", 206. I mean, he's a, he's a much bigger – wide receiver than Chris Moore. Um, no, I'm just saying yeah. where he makes a random play out of yeah, I'm not no, Yeah, no. Yeah, he's – until he gets more acquainted with, with the uh, with the playbook, saying, you know, he's kind of in the same same situation as O.J. Howard. You know, he's going to he's gonna be wide receiver for, you know, between him and Philip Dorsett. Dorsett's kind of the guy who switches between slot and the outside, but he's going to be behind Conley – behind well Conley's on practice squad but he'll get elevated some but he'll maybe towards the middle of the season you start to see a little maybe he gets a little more playing time maybe he can work his way up into that wide receiver three role you know barring some injury between hopefully there's no injury but barring some kind of injury with Collins or or Cooks but I think this is more so just not only this year but for the future because you have him under contract all the way through 2023 so, you know, at this point, you just continue to educate him on the system, and then he provides good depth. Like Landry said, if he's open, if he's capable of special teams, that's how you very much contribute to this type of team, this type of culture, is having those special teams abilities, whether he's a gunner or he can just assist in a kickoff or a punt coverage, things like that. So, I mean, he's they brought him in for a reason. A lot of fans were excited. It's just going to take some time before we actually see him out there. Hopefully, what kind of role he has, I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, three or four, you know, probably two or 300 yards, 15, 20 catches type of. Oh, you're throwing out stats. Goodness gracious. Look at you. Yeah, just a guess. Look at you, man. Goodness. See, I called Chris Moore a capable slot wide receiver, and he had three catches last week. Yeah, he had, he had nice little moves, too. He, nice little move. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Here. How about any... his game against Ohio State in college, by the way? I, I don't know. You'll have to enlighten me on okay. that. 
it was like three catches, three touchdowns for like 200 or something like that. Something just outrageous. That's an odd, an odd stat line. Let me look up this. Let me look up these stats because it's it's insane. It was like, I mean, we asked him about it. I had it in front of me when he was on with us. Uh, all right, three catches, two hundred twenty-one yards, three touchdowns. Wow, that's seventy yeah. yards a pop. So that, that's Madden stuff right there. <laughs> three for two twenty-one and uh, three touchdowns. Uh oh, Brooks is in here. Gotta be quiet. Oh no! Goodness gracious! Look at look at that headshot. Goodness gracious! They got professional right there. Good lord! Oh, see, you scared him off. Gosh, Man, I was I gonna send, I was gonna send him speaking rights and everything. I wanted Brooks to talk. Dude. Yeah, we're gonna get him on here as a guest at some point during the season. He's already agreed to do it. We just gotta. Nail down a yep. nail down a date to get Brooks in here as an official as an official guest, but we'll get him in He's here. He's back. Get him in. Let him talk. Let's see if he wants Let's to hear talk. The Sports Radio Six Tens. Brooks could be. Well, spending rights. We'll see if he wants to take them or not. He may just be one to listen in, or maybe he's uh maybe he's, he's like Mike Meltzer sitting in the airport or something. Surprised Mike hadn't gotten like, on here he's tonight. Like, he's like got a telescope or something, just peeping. Yeah, man, I just I I just wanted to listen. I just came in here, thought I was going to sneak in at the bottom and just say, "Hey, what do we got here?" I don't understand. And, I don't uh, know the whole sorting of the icons because it popped you right up to the top. So maybe it's the blue. It, oh, probably might be check. the check. Mark. I need to take that off. I need to get my burner working if I'm going to listen to this 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 show. So okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go back. I'll All do right. your thing. See you. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we'll get we'll get Brooks on in an, an official capacity as a guest. Um, legend, legend. Yeah, get him removed from speaker. There we go. But damn, uh, you just had to cut him like that. That's yeah, pretty harsh. Yeah, that's how I do it. Um, at least I didn't kick him out of the room. I really didn't have too many other talking points. I kind of rushed this one tonight. I don't know why. Yeah, I did what's that. up with you, man? Why you, you got to uh, fake I it? Like, you don't have them, man. I like jammed three talking points into one sentence twice, and that was by accident. So we're we're that's we're, all good, man. You don't have to be too organized. You don't have to tell the people either. You don't have to shuffle through and all that. Just just talk, man. Yeah. You don't need talking points. Just BS. Shut up. <laughs> and. I need the talking points because then I'll forget about it and then I'll get done and be like, I meant to, I meant to talk about that or I meant to talk. About I wanted that. to bring up, I wanted to bring up one yeah. of the big surprises from Sunday, Jeff Driscoll. So see, does this and there's mean a question: that, more Driscoll packages? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how people all of a sudden like they they went, you went from not wanting Driscoll on the team to now all of a sudden let me see some more Driscoll cat. Does this mean that they don't feel very good about Kyle Allen? Because because now Jeff Driscoll's a play away from being your quarterback. Like, do they think there's not much of a drop off from Kyle Allen to Jeff Driscoll, or is that just a risk they're willing to take? Because for two snaps a game, it seems kind of like a it, it seems like a high risk reward to sit Kyle Allen out so that Jeff Driscoll can play a couple of third downs, especially like if Davis Mills gets hurt. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a week to week by week, you know, based on opponent, what kind of package they're going to install for the RPO specialist. Well, 
Jeff Driscoll. I, and, I, I don't. I, I mean, if you're going to do that against the Colts, who the hell are you not going to do it against? Maybe just because it was a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I think it surprised everybody when they saw Kyle and hit the inactive list. And I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that it'll be week to week like that, or maybe they just carry three active quarterbacks. You know, once you know if they really are concerned about it. But yeah, I mean, it's a valid point, valid concern that if. Kyle Allen's going to remain inactive. Then what's the point of having that type of that type of backup quarterback on the fifty-three man? But I don't know. But it's it's interesting to see them put that much effort into Driscoll. I mean, I know the team really likes him. They've always really liked him, especially last year when he was a quarterback slash tight end slash whatever. But. You know, I he's obviously got some. They're obviously going to have some kind of. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to they're going to probably continue to have the RPO. You know, the type of Driscoll packages out there. I just don't know if it'll be more than two or three snaps a game, and that's the like you said, it's the risk reward. That's the the chances that they're going to take. That if Mills were to get hurt on the third play of the game, then you're going to be stuck with Jeff Driscoll. You know, the rest of the game, and that's probably just a chance they're willing to take. I don't know at okay. one, you know, like I said, at one point, at some point, maybe they just carry all three on, on game day. I mean, to get beyond 46, you got to carry an extra offensive lineman and then you can, then you can carry the extra quarterback if you don't do any elevations from the practice squad. So kind of just see how it goes, but to, you know, Texans or T, uh, Texans tears, more Driscoll packages was his question right when you were bringing that up. So, more, I don't know if that's going to be per se more, but I think you're going to probably continue to see the occasional uh, occasional package out there with Jeff Driscoll, be, just because of the the running game that he that he can present on those type of plays, and he can still make a throw here or there. It's probably very less likely that he's going to make a completion, but maybe it'll be a clear, easy pass. But you know, may. If any, if week one's any indication, maybe we're going to see more of it. Maybe, or we'll just continue seems to like see it. Seems like the people want it. Seems like the people want it. He seems like I've the been, people's champ right I've now. I've been trying to make the hashtag go. Hashtag RPO and specialist. The other thing that uh, got a lot of talk heading into the game was the fullback. Man, how unathletic did he look on that catch where he just stumbled out of bounds? Although I don't think the throw was perfect. Uh, but, man, he had a lot of room, too. Uh, yeah, that's on, yeah. On that I mean, that's a that's a straight footwork footwork issue that you're asking a a former linebacker turn fullback to make that kind of move, and that's just not going to happen. Former so. D end, D end, yeah. So I mean, it's the fact that he caught it. I think is the plus. I think that's what we have got to take away from that. You could have caught that. Yeah, be an athlete. Be an athlete. I'm rooting for you, Harrison. And I love Harrison. He's yeah. He's a solid young man, but we got to. We, we got to turn that upfield. Made the squad. Got to got to make a play there. My question: Did Nico do a bad job earning targets? Don't know. That's Don't an, know. I think they just like Cooks. Yeah, I mean, I think Mills just by default will lock into Cooks more often than not. Um, I, I I don't like I said I don't really take the time to go back and watch all 22 and any of that stuff. So I don't know if he was just covered up, if he wasn't getting open. 
like you said, maybe not earning the targets, but they need to find a way to scheme and get him open and get him some some cleaner looks at the ball. So hopefully Pep will be able to figure that out this week. Like we mentioned, they got two very good, very good, capable uh, cornerbacks on the Broncos side with Sertan and uh, Ronald Darby. We did mention that Justin Simmons, they're, they're all pro safety, did go on injured reserve today. So it looks like we get to see old Kareem Jackson back there play hey, a little Jack bit. TV. So maybe they can pick on him a little bit. Maybe he, hopefully he won't have the the revenge game like he did last time against us. Oh, uh, the touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. Freaking Kiki. Man, uh, you know something nobody, nobody's talking about? I'm going to bring this up tomorrow on the show. I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Uh, this is going to be the all-time weed matchup in league history. When you look at it's in Denver, and you got Laramie Tunsil, the gas mask back in the day, versus Randy Gregory. Slid in the draft because of the Marahucci, got suspended because of the Marahucci. This might be, if we, if we get that matchup, th- this might be the, the best weed matchup of all time. Best weed. Did you have that on your rundown? I did, did you not. Have that on your I did not. I oh, did, okay. It didn't even cross my mind okay. of, of that's tying what I'm here those for. two things together. <laughs> and that's why that's why they pay you the big bucks on the radio. <laughs> that's it. That is interesting. And it, you know, Gregory had a very good game against Seattle, and it's going to be. He's a very good player. <laughs> yes. It, between him and Chubb, and then they bring in Brownie on the rotation, I think that's going to be a very, very good task be another good evaluation on Titus Howard. We know what, we know what Tunsil is, but it'd be another good evaluation on Howard. Another one I'm looking forward to. That's, you know, I think between we talk about Davis Mills sample size and evaluation for the year. I think another critical evaluation is going to be a Titus Howard because he's got that fully guaranteed $13 million uh, salary next year on the option. And the team's going to have to make a pretty, pretty strong decision next year whether they just let him ride it out on that option or if they do an extension because i mean it, the cap yeah, space is just ride it out he ain't earned no extension i not yet i'm saying towards the end of the year he may if well, he's he like the option got picked up yeah and that that's a tough decision now with the way the cba sets it out you know before it was just injury only but now it's fully guaranteed when they when they take that option so it's not like the kevin johnson situation where they can just go ahead and release before they start the new league year. So it'll be, it'll be good for uh, that continue evaluation on Howard. Cause that's going to be a, a player that might be up for an extension. I know Talvier Thomas was a name that was talked about, but there's obviously going to be no extensions during the season this year with the way the cap space is setting. So they're going to have to be, they're going to be mortgaging contracts all year long. I have, I'm worried that they're going to turn into the giants where they can't even, don't even have uh, 53 men on the roster towards the very end of the year because they don't have cap space. It is really, really scary right now. So I'm very curious to see how uh, Mr. Casario. You're just worrying. You're just worrying about silly stuff. I know it is silly to a lot of people, but to me, it's just fascinating because I don't know. I have my suspicions of what's going on, and we'll we'll see if it plays out into fruition. What is it? Don't, don't bury it. Give it. Give it. Come on. Well, so we know, we know that the team led Andrew, who is the football ops. Uh, I'm not sure what exact his title is, but he basically does. He was he worked under Kevin. I'm, I cannot remember. Kravovic, Kravovic, Kevin Kravovic, Kravovic, 
who worked for Chris Olson. So Andrew was, I think he came in as an intern and he's been kind of a football ops coordinator. He's been on, you know, he was involved in some of the contract stuff. This past off season, they let him reportedly manage the negotiations on rookie contracts, which the Jalen Petrie deal kind of set off a of fireworks when they gave him a very uh, and the Pierce and the Pierce. Yeah, the Pierce he got the he got the workout bonus, and then Petrie got the uh, the big the the additional guarantee in a third year, which was a little unprecedented for that draft slot, and caused a little disruption. So it makes me wonder if they gave him more leeway with the low level vet contracts, you know, right at the end of the season, especially when they were doing the the releases and re-signings with Chris Conley and Royce Freeman and Isaac Yadam and, and those kind of players. And so some of the little, I call them mistakes. Maybe it's just what they did, did by design, but you know, it just Man. makes me wonder if, if they're letting him manage that and he just missed a few details, maybe it just it you seems like you can't get this anywhere else. You can't get this anywhere else. You're just going deep in this. Well, Bloody call you Texas Cap. Yeah. So I mean there's just some small details, small little things that cost, you know, a few dollars here, for a few dollars there and and cap dollars. I'm not talking about cash. But it costs some cap dollars and that's just going to end up adding up as the year goes on and they may end up Are you cheap in real life, Cap? What's that? Are you cheap in real life? Like, are you just penny pinching everything at home too, just like you do the salary cap? Are you like? I'm getting worse honey, as I we get. Spent, we spent two dollars on bananas. We can't do that right now. No, I no no. I, I get the older I get, I get weird about like things that I shouldn't be weird about. That's what I've noticed as of late. Like I'll like if I go a different route from work to home or something like oh i don't get to go to the toll bridge today and i'll have to pay that and i don't know why i'm concerned about that because it's only like a dollar 75 but no we're, we're not penny pitchers by any means but we no I'm we're, just, we're I'm just, uh, I, I you're know. pissed off about a hundred thousand in cap space yes it was, it was it's like 590 and five hundred ninety thousand dollars worth of mistakes so we'll see how it plays out through the rest of the year but just this, just coming up probably not this week but probably next week or the week after they'll have to do another restructure or two to buy themselves a little more operating room. There's a disagreement on the OJ Howard contract. I completely disagree with how the salary cap was adjusted or, you know, the treatment the the veteran salary benefit treatment on that contract, that contract should not have been eligible. So we'll see what happens with that. But, it's just going to be tight all year. So you're going to see probably, you know, you'll see Phil Yates. He usually gets a heads up on those things. He'll tweet out. So-and-so has been restructured. So-and-so has been restructured. So just there'll be mortgaging contracts throughout the year to grab 200,000 here, 300,000 there to buy themselves three or four weeks of operating room. So I have full confidence. They'll get through the season without any major issues. Just know that that's probably come down to pipeline towards the end of the year. Okay. Okay. One more question. Or that's just Chuck. He doesn't. Chuck's just complaining. That's not a question. What's he complaining about? Let's hear it. What's the difference between Allen and Driscoll? Who cares? What's the difference between 5 and 12 and 3 and 14? Uh, I guess God, he's. Right. Chuck, you've got to get in a better mood, man. You're usually, usually in a better mood than this. What's the difference between. Dang, that's how we're going now? Jeez. Yeah. 
Right. Y'all's thoughts on KGH and Kirksey. So we talked about that earlier. So this is from Nova Clap. So we talked about that earlier. Uh, Landry was bringing up. You said Nova Clap, not Know Your Clap? No, Nova Clap. At Nova Clap. So thoughts on KGH and Kirksey. So like Land- Landry. Cover yeah, Landry KGH. nailed it earlier. The, you know, they're giving it all they got. You know, that's just the talent level that they have at the position. Kamu, like we said, 14 targets. He's probably going to get picked on rest of the year. You need Garrett Wallow to get get back healthy and get out there. You need Christian Harris to to get healthy and get back out there. Because Kamu, I mean, good dude. He he's going Ro- hard, he but he's... He could cover Roseanne in the slot. He, could, he wouldn't be able to cover Roseanne in the slot. Yeah. And maybe he could go 50-50 with Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> As for Kirksey, I mean, you know... We'll just have to see what they do because he he may have the responsibility of, of spying on on Russell Wilson this week. We'll have to see how that goes. But I mean, it both players are are doing the best they can. You know, it it's just you know a talent issue there. I mean, they can only give you so much, and that's the players they have there. So they're gonna have to work around it, and that's gonna put put a lot of effort on the on the back end of the defense. That's why you saw a little safe, quite a few safeties getting involved this week, and probably gonna see that all year. So. That would and be Kamu my... did. Kamu played well. I mean, he played. He played as good as he could have. Yeah, he's not going to cover that one. It's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, he's got the speed. He's good in run defense. Good line to line. Just like you said, he's in his just position. With his position, he's going to be, especially in the nickel. He stayed on the field when Kevin Pierre Lewis came off the field in the nickel package. So he's going to be responsible for additional coverage in those eleven personnel packages. It's just concerning, especially when you have a speedy running back. I mean, Niamh Himes is a very, very good wide receiver or running back that can play as a wide receiver, and Kamu had the the luck of covering him. So I don't know if Denver has a a similar type of player on their roster as like a Niamh Himes did with Indianapolis. So we'll see what happens. So I think that's probably about it. Yep, that's it. All right. Right at an hour. Oh, we got one request popped in here at the last second. Let's see here. I don't want Landry to yell at me. So, Doug. I know, I'm just picking. Doug Heffernan. Uh oh. There was an. Let's try it again. Said there was an error. Says an error adding the public fader as a guest. Oops. Try it again, Doug. There you go. Dropped out. Try it again. Come back up and request again. We'll give him a few seconds. Maybe space is just acting up. Who knows? How about that game tomorrow night? Kansas City and the Chargers on a Thursday night? You kidding me? That should be a very. Very fun That's game. That's incredible. That's incredible. Amazon, they're giving Amazon everything. Well, I, I would. It's going to be interesting to see how the schedules start running the next couple of years between Amazon and then with uh, ESPN spending all, all the money on Buck and uh, Aikman. Boy, so God, that was that was such a breath of fresh air. Man, I enjoyed that game. Yeah. Uh, on Monday, watching it, just you just got 
an a, a true A team up there. I had no interest in Manning cast. I didn't watch. I didn't want to watch it. I'm good. I just show me the internet clips after. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the game. <laughs> just other than watching him freak out about the the clock management issue at the end. John Cumpler. Yeah. Hey y'all, great show tonight. I've been listening while I do some some homework. Uh, my my question and might serve as the last one. What? college quarterback impressed you guys the most this past week and i guess the reason i'm curious is because i think the traits that you value in those quarterbacks might give us an idea of how you're watching mills so thanks that's gonna be a landry response uh i i mean i would say bryce young i mean he overcame uh a a hell of an atmosphere he overcame bill o'brien calm plays uh he i mean he gutted it out he avoided the sack at the end. Uh, I think Bryce Young is by far the best quarterback. Uh, and then I think it's just a, it's a mix of other guys, uh, whether it's Levis. Uh, I'm not big on C.J. Stroud. I, I, don't, I don't think too much of C.J. Stroud, quite honestly. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of other guys that are in the mix that maybe you talk about. I know people are talking about Richardson. He kind of had his growing pains. But I would say Bryce Young by far uh, was the uh, – was the most impressive uh that that was gutsy uh gutsy gutsy performance by him although he was down in the end zone and that should have been grounding but i'm not going to get into that uh but yeah how was he down uh, he didn't have it was that the elbow was down i saw the, the back, play the back, the back knee they showed uh there's like a view well it was grounding anyway it should have been a safety don't you're just making me mad now cap i don't want to he threw it and it hit a defender how's it grounding he was in the grasp, Cap. Okay. How was it targeting? You probably thought that was a good call too. Well, they 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 picked up the targeting portion of it. No. Well, because they originally called personal foul, they tried to save. They tried. They had to save the. That ref. was it. I don't. It makes me wonder, like when he was. No, he made it up. The ref was like, yeah. "This is so stupid. I'm going to make it up." Like it should have been Alabama's ball at the 15. If we're being honest, the other thing is they missed the damn face mask on Robinson inside the. Uh, not Bijan, the other Robinson, number seven, uh, inside the ten when they were up three. That guy, whoever was throwing flags on the bottom right, man, he should never ref again. All right, Bryce Young, know the answer to the question. I'm moving on. On yeah. to on to UTSA. Yeah, <laughs> UTSA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll have to defer to Landry on those kind of things till later in the year. I just don't get Levis the opportunity. Levis is going to be interesting, though. It will be interesting to hear what people say about Levis, uh, and if Richardson comes out. This might be one of those years where uh, Stroud goes too, but then whoever goes after is like the Herbert of the draft. Just like how you have, uh, you know, Tua going and then Herbert kind of falls. Or you have uh, Baker and then Darnold and then Josh Allen. How about that? Like, it, it, this could be one of those years. Because I, I, I'm not as big on C.J. Stroud as everybody else is. I'm not at all. Why, why are you not big on him? I'm just curious. I mean, I just I don't think he's as accurate as people think he is. I think he's had the best receivers that you could possibly have in a, in a college career. Two of them went first round. He still has Marvin Harris, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, and Smith and Jigba, although uh, he got hurt. Uh, I think Ohio State's system is very quarterback friendly, uh, and I'm just not I'm not I'm not big on Stroud uh, like a lot of people are. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm intrigued by the evaluation though because I'm not as smart as these like the Jordan Reeds and like all those other guys who do the quarterback eval. So uh, I'll be interested, like, once they start really crunching 
uh, CJ Stroud in like December and January, what they say. And I could look like an idiot. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time, but I'm just not, I'm not buying CJ Stroud as like a guy you draft in the top five and feel good about it. It's not. Does the Bry- Bryce Young, does his size give you any concern? No. Uh, he's six foot. He's the truth, man. Mm-hmm. That kid's been being recruited since he was in like sixth grade. That kid's the truth. He knows what he's doing. And honestly, he's going through the – I mean, he's having to overcome his plate. It's it, No, I'm, I'm, I know it's like low-hanging fruit when you talk about B.O.B., but honestly, if you watch Alabama, it's deja vu, Cap. Like, he's going to the line of scrimmage. He looks confused. He looks like he's taking a test. Then the play clock goes down. Tell me if you remember this. The play clock goes down to 3-2. They snap it at 1. Sometimes it even says 0, and they snap it right at the right time. Uh the linemen don't seem like they know exactly what they're doing sometimes. So guys come free. And then he just basically has to be Houdini like Deshaun Watson. Look at all the plays that Bryce Young made uh, yet, like yesterday. Like, look at the difference between, like, Sarkeesian and, like, th- how guys are getting schemed open and stuff. And then look at what Bryce Young has to do. Like, it is, the, it, it is so damn familiar watching that. He is going to – it's going to be, like, going from taking uh, advanced calculus to – uh, freaking cursive, uh, cursive class or something like that. When he goes to the NFL, seriously. All right. And look at what Bill O'Brien's doing too now. Let Let me finish it off with this. Yeah, go ahead. It's one thing for you to ruin an NFL franchise because we're big boys around here and uh, we, we can handle it. Did you really have to let your stench and one of your lingers, John Perry, go be the offensive coordinator? at Sam Houston. John Perry had never coached in the NFL. He just happened to be a receiver coach on the staff when Bill O'Brien played football. And Bill O'Brien gives him a tight end job and a wide receiver job at the NFL level. So poor Sam Houston, one of the prized programs in this country, or in this uh, state, decides we're going to sign Je- – we're going to bring John Perry in to call offense because he can't be that dumb. He coached in the NFL. They've scored three points through two weeks, man. Sam Houston scored three points in two weeks with John Perry. Bill O'Brien's ruining everything in this state. I just can't get away from that stench. All right. John well, Perry. All right. Well, that's a good way to end the show. I appreciate everybody uh, joining in. Had a, about 85, 90 folks in here. Uh, hour and 12 minutes, so that's good. Landry, I appreciate the time, sir. Yes, sir. Be good, man. Yeah. Try to catch Landry hey, on his uh, on his various subscribe platforms. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, there Landry you Locker. Subscribe. Going to be daily. Work in progress. Might not be as artsy uh, as it will be, but it's, it's going to get better, and it's going to be daily content. It's not going to be one of those things where people start it and don't get it. YouTube, Landry Locker, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you uh, ever have a question or anything, I answer DMs and stuff like that. We keep it interactive. On Sports Radio 610. We'll keep covering this squad, having fun. We're all in this together. Uh, but go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube while you're at it. Peace. All right. Well, with that, we oh, yeah, will. By the way, I think we're going to have we're gonna have a Texans player on tomorrow, too. I have a list. Don't know who it's going to be. I'm hoping for the juice, man. On your on the radio show or your YouTube? Yes. Yes, on the radio show. I'm okay. hoping for the juice, man. Fingers crossed. The juice, man. OJ? OJ. OJ. Otarius Jabari. Yes, sir. All right. We'll we'll be looking forward to that. We'll be listening in. And uh, with that, I appreciate everybody's time. Thank you for joining in, and we'll shut it down. Have a good evening. Mm